people is by right a free people. And whereas for 700 years the Irish people has never ceased to repudiate and has repeatedly protested in arms against foreign usurpation. And whereas English rule in this country is and always has been based upon force and fraud and maintained by military occupation against the declared will of the people. And whereas the Irish Republic was proclaimed in Dublin on Easter Monday, 1916, by the Irish Republican Army acting on behalf of the Irish people. And whereas the Irish people is resolved to secure and maintain its complete independence in order to promote the common weal, to re-establish justice, to provide for future defense, to ensure peace at home and goodwill with all nations, and to constitute a national policy based upon the people's will with equal right and equal opportunity for every citizen. And whereas at the threshold of a new era in history, the Irish electorate has in the general election of December 1918 seized the first occasion to declare by an overwhelming majority its firm allegiance to the Irish Republic. Now, therefore, we, the elected representatives of the ancient Irish people in national parliament assembled, do, in the name of the Irish nation, ratify the establishment of the Irish Republic and pledge ourselves and our people to make this declaration effective by every means at our command. January the 21st, 1919. Never was a springtime so early. Never did the song of sweet liberty sound so clear. For in this day, in the Dublin Mansion House, the Irish Republic declared its independence to the world at the first meeting of its first parliament, the first Dáileáron. It was the end of a road and the beginning of a road, the realization of an old dream and the first promise of a new reality. There was a hundred, three hundred, seven hundred years of history in it, giving it sanction, although its immediate authority was but a few weeks old. The young men of the first Doyle, and most of them were very young, were not parliamentarians by training or tradition. When they offered themselves for election in December 1918, they were, nearly all of them, as new to politics as Sean McEntry was. It wasn't as a politician that I first entered the public scene. It was, as, as I have said, as a member of the volunteers who, well, with the part I played, 
uh, had been court-martialed and sentenced to death and then to penal servitude for life. And it was as a released prisoner that I first uh, stood on a political platform per se in, in, in East Clare when Mr. de Valera was selected as candidate for East Clare. I was one of those who uh, went down and worked with him. Liam O'Brien was a candidate at the general election in Mid-Armagh. He was one of the unsuccessful ones. He was defeated by his unionist opponent. But there, as everywhere, it was made clear to the electors that if Sinn Féin were returned, they would not sit at Westminster, but would convene a national assembly in Dublin. That was clear, yes, that was clear. But I'm not uh, too certain that it was very clear about the proclamation of the Republic. Uh, you know the, uh, the aims of the, of the movement and the aims of the dog, which were published, which had been published, uh, the reaffirmation of the Republic of Easter Week and so on. But among other things in that was the appeal to the uh, peace conference. And I think, uh, I think that was what we stressed. I know I did, and uh, many other speakers that I knew of at the time stressed mainly in their speeches at the public meetings the right of Ireland to self-determination, according to the 14 points laid down by President Wilson, who said that all nations small as well as great, small and weak, as well as great and strong, were entitled to decide upon their own form of government. That that was our plank. The issue we put to the people was to forget all petty local issues, to vote for the candidate who stood for that, no matter who he was or where he came from, uh, no matter what he was like individually, and uh, to form a, a big body, a unanimous call to the peace conference to allow Ireland to, to decide its own fate. Campaigning for such a policy was not without risks because there was a hostile element in the place at the time. Uh, the, what we used to call the separation people, they were manifest in the early elections, de Valera's own election in Clare and other elections. That is to say, the wives and families were the men who were at the front and who were drawing separation allowances or known as separation of women. They were very hostile. They thought their husband's uh, future and their husband's jobs and their own jobs were in jeopardy. And uh, there was also, of course, those who still uh, remained faithful to the Irish party. But broadly speaking, the people are all overwhelmingly in sympathy with the movement. This sympathy was far from evident at the time of the 1916 Rising. How had the change come about? Well, here's Ernon the Blythe, himself a member of the First Thoid. What happened was, I was through the country from the beginning of the war, and at first everybody uh, nearly was with the parliamentary party. We found it very hard in most places to start volunteer companies, that is to say, companies of what were called the McNeil Volunteers, because everybody believed at first that the war would be over soon, that the Irish parliamentary party had been right in backing the British, and that the country would get its reward in uh, immediate home rule. Then as the war spun out, people began to be doubtful and wonder whether, after all, Britain was going to win and wonder whether the Parliamentary Party would get its reward. Then the rising came, and that produced a fantastic change uh, uh, from being overwhelmingly with the Parliamentary Party, the country turned overwhelmingly against it. I've often mentioned the case of Michal Brennan, who was arrested in Easter week in Limerick, and when he was being taken to the station to be deported to England, the soldiers had to use their rifle butts to protect him from the crowd. 
When we were released from Reading Jail at Christmas, he went back to Limerick. When he looked out at the train at Limerick Station, he saw the immense crowd and thought perhaps he ought to be uh, making his way out by some back way. The crowd surged up, they caught him, they hoisted him on his shoulders. He, he was taken with 5,000 people behind him to the Treaty Stone. That was rather typical of what happened all over the country. In the summer after the rising, the country changed. The country changed. How wide and how deep the change was at first is something for historians to argue about. The by-elections in 1917 were a fair indication that it was no passing mood, no mere emotional reaction. Slowly but surely, Sinn Féin was gaining the support of the mass of the people. And the colossal blunder of the British government in attempting to enforce conscription produced such a united mass of resistance that when the general election came, a Sinn Féin victory was more than likely. But few believed that it would be such a victory. When the result was announced, the parliamentary party, which had once held 85 seats, held only four. The Unionists, 26, and Sinn Féin, 73. On the 7th of January 1919, a private meeting of the newly elected Sinn Féin members was called in the Mansion House. Most of those who were at liberty came to the meeting, at which Sean T. O'Kelly took the chair. Sean T. had already been acting as chairman of a subcommittee of Sinn Féin, nominated shortly after the election results, in order to make arrangements for the holding of a National Assembly. It was at this meeting, on January the 7th, that these arrangements were ratified. The name of the assembly, Valleron, the date and place of the first meeting, the Mansion House, 21st of January, the agenda were all decided upon. And it was also decided that Carl Broom, acting as deputy for Eamon de Valera as president of Sinn Féin, who was still in jail, should preside at the first day's assembly. Two other decisions were made. One, that all the successful candidates Unionist as well, and nationalist as well as members of Sinn Féin, should be invited to the meeting of the Doyle. And, and this was a decision which had fateful consequences, that the Irish form of the word republic to be used in the Doyle proceedings would not be public, but Sairsthoth. Preparations went on until the very eve of the meeting. And on the morning of the 21st of January, what were the newspapers saying? The Irish Times said, The National Assembly of the Irish Republican Party will meet today in Dublin. We shall not try to anticipate the Irish government's attitude this portent, but we may assume that the King's authority will be safe in its hands. Today's proceedings, apart from any question of their legality or propriety, will have much interest for Irishmen of all parties, since today Sinn Féin must tell the country how it proposes to carry out its programme without further evasion or ambiguity. But there was cause for concern. The whole of Nationalist Ireland may well await with anxiety an official statement of the Assembly's attitude to the policy and deeds of Nessus Lenin and Trotsky. It owes this duty to all its supporters, and not least to those ecclesiastics whose example and precept helped create the National Assembly. We do not believe that any party of Irishmen, however reckless or fanatical, will care to traffic with this hideous creed. We are confident that the men and women who voted Sinn Féin never intended to give a vote to Bolshevism. The London Times was not so confident. Irish Labour is revolutionary and avowedly Bolshevist, and 
Nothing that Sinn Féin proposes or aims at will be objected to by Labour on the grounds of its being too extreme or illegal. The whole thing is, of course, childishly illegal, but so long as it is orderly, there will be no interference on the part of the government. And at home, the Freeman's Journal saw the shadow of the Red Menace. The Red Guards were as effective as Cromwell's slayers, and the government that the Irish workers are asked to admire has as much likeness to a democracy and a republic as the old Venetian oligarchy did. Did these newspapers reflect popular opinion? Liam O'Brien, what was the popular mood? The uh, popular feeling was, you can take it in three sections, the, uh, there was a mass of the people, uh, uh, of the poor people, shall I say, who were really ignorant, who didn't know what these curious fellows were going to do. They'd elected the Sinn Féiners without quite knowing what they were going to do. And, uh, and uh, they looked on rather... Uh, rather blankly, rather with astonishment, and uh, gradually, only gradually came into things. There was another element, of course, which, as I mentioned before, were hostile. These are not only the Irish party faithful adherents, but of course the unionist element in the country. But thirdly, there was a mass of the people who knew what they had done, who knew, who, who were definitely decided to support Sinn Féin and vote Sinn Féin, and, that they, and they knew what, uh, and, and they, they were impressed by the his historicity, by the solemnity of this occasion that this, they knew, they realised, was a big historical moment. It was a great break with the past, with the Irish party, with attendance at Westminster, with the past from Parnell, and in fact with the past going back to O'Connell, with the whole 19th century nationalist element in the House of Commons. That was a big thing, to end that completely and start this national uh, parliament at home without waiting for England's permission. Of course, there was a smaller element, and these were the fateful old Sinn Féiners, who had read Arthur Griffith, and who knew that that was his, his policy, the policy of holding a, of, of abstention first and then a National Assembly, which would, in every way it could, uh, set out to take the government of the country out of the hands of the administration in Dublin Castle. The 21st of January, 1919, was a day of many memories. One of those who remember it is Sean Ogo Kelly, then a boy of 10. His father, and that's why he's called Sean Og, his father, Sean O'Kelly, better known as Skillig, was one of Carl Brew's closest associates and was himself deeply involved in the doings of the day. He was, yes and uh, he was one of the few deputies who were not in prison at the time and who happened to be uh, available to attend the first dial. Uh, he had uh, a couple of tickets. Uh, he gave one to my mother and uh, he gave one to myself, so I had the privilege of being present at the first meeting of the first dial on the 21st of January 1919. Uh, I can remember quite clearly. Um, I remember Carl Brew uh, in a raised dais, not on the platform of the mansion house, not on the stage, but on a raised dais on the floor. Uh, under him, there were um, three or four secretaries. Um, beside him was Father Michael O'Flanagan, um, who was called upon by Carl Brew to pray to the Holy Ghost to send all the blessings that they could 
onto the new Irish nation and onto the new Parliament of Ireland. Father O'Flanagan recited a prayer to the Holy Spirit and then Carlbrew called the role of members of the Dáil. Some, as might have been expected, had business elsewhere. Dear Ferishte Pottinger, Captain H. Dixon, Aslahir, Dear Ferishte Shankill, S. McGuffin, Aslahir, Dear Ferishte St. Anne's, T. H. Brown, Aslahir, Dear Ferishte Victoria, T. Donald, Aslahir, Dear Ferishte Woodville, R. J. Lynn, Aslahir, Dear Ferishte Queen's University, Mr. Whitlaw, Aslahir, Kunte Heroin, Herhuig, T.J.S. Harbison, Aslahir, Kunte Heroin, Herhuig, Arto Griefe, Heglas Egalid, Kunte Heroin, Hass, Mr. Coote, Aslahir, Kahir Fortlarige, Captain W. Redmond, Aslahir, Ulskolaw Clea, A. Samuels, Aslahir, Dr. R. Woods, Aslahir, Raho Mine O Clea, Sir M. Dockrell, Aslahir, Ulskol Neheron, Owen McNeil, Elahir, O Clea Pembroke, Dasho McGarrett, Peglas Egallant, O Clea Neve Seamus, Joseph McCrath, Peglas Egallant, Contenemi Hass, Eamon O'Dougain, Elahir, Contenemi Huig, Liam O'Melissa, Erdibert Egallant, Conte Caharach, Seamus O'Lenain, Fregas Egallant, Conte and Cavain, Her, Arto Griefe, Feglas Egalif, Kunte and Kavain here, Polo Galagoin, Feglas Egalif, Kunte and Chloir here, Eamon de Valera, Feglas Egalif. That last voice there saying Feglas Egalif was the voice of Sean Noonan, sometime Irish ambassador to the United States of America, but in 1919, one of the four talks appointed to manage the business of the first meeting of Dolieran. He too, like the deputies themselves, was a novice to things parliamentary. Well, after I came out of jail in March 17, I came back to Dublin and uh, was on the staff of Sinn Féin. I was connected with several of the by-elections. I was secretary of the by-election Kilkenny. Uh, from there, I went to number six, Harcourt Street which was the headquarters of Sinn Féin, and I was on the staff there. Uh, I was with James O'Mara, who was director of elections in 1918. And after the uh, elections in December 18, Gavin Duffy asked me to, or told me, 
that I was to be one of the clerks of the Doyle. There were four clerks, Dermot Hegarty, Ristardo Folua, Paddy Sheehan and myself. My main duty that day was to answer the roll call for the men who were in jail, because you must remember there were quite a number who were in prison in England. And where then, when their names were called, my job at that time was to reply on their behalf that they were Fueglas Egalif. Fueglas Egalif, a phrase that loses all its savour in translation, but explained why so many of the 73 Sinn Féin deputies were detained at His Majesty's pleasure. But those who were free to attend proceeded with the day's business. As Sean O'Calley recalls, I remember Count Plunkett very clearly uh, reading the proclamation of independence in French. I remember Carl Brew reading it in Irish. Uh, I remember uh, that uh, we were, uh, there were about uh, 70 or 80 chairs uh, halfway up the hall for the deputies who were in attendance and behind those chairs there was a rope barrier uh, where invited guests were allowed to sit and uh, also up on the gallery of their own room. I remember also volunteers in uniform, including David Sears, uh, God rest him now, um, acting as, well, uh, not necessarily protectors, but uh, guardians of the assembly. Um, these things are very, still very vivid in my mind, particularly the uh, green uniforms worn by these men who are acting as guards of the assembly. Because at that time, um, Dal Erden or the members of Dal Erden were not uh, too happy that uh, they would be allowed to meet at all and that at any time the British authorities might move in, either the army or the Dublin Metropolitan Police, to break up the organisation. The fact that the Doyle was allowed to proceed was the subject of favourable comment in the following morning's Irish Times. The Irish government's wisdom in permitting the Republican Party to hold its National Assembly yesterday was justified in the event. The thing, in one sense, was futile and unreal, but in another it conveyed a very grave warning to the Irish people. The Doyle was described as... A solemn act of defiance of the British Empire by a body of young men who have not the slightest notion of the Empire's power and resources. The Freeman's Journal was hardly more friendly. 
a most momentous gathering if it was not merely an exhibition of political fireworks. If the proceedings were seriously meant, and if there is any intention to attempt to carry the decisions into effect, we greatly fear that we are on the eve of one of the most tragic chapters in the history of Ireland. In Britain, the Daily News said, No one who is not determined to deny patent facts can refuse to acknowledge that, behind the Declaration of Independence at Dublin yesterday, fiercely in earnest is a solid mass of almost all Irish opinion outside Ulster. No one can study impartially the history of the last few years without admitting that it is the policy, or want of policy, of the British government which has driven the Irish people to this extremity. In America, the world commented, They may fly their revolutionary flags. They may conduct their proceedings in Gaelic, as far as the delegates know how. They are assured of full protection by the British government, which they are required by their consciences and oaths to defy and denounce. The Daily Express and Irish Daily Mail described the proceedings as Nothing but vague idealism, nothing but empty phrases. The whole thing is so ludicrous that we can scarcely regard it as what Sinn Féin really aims at. This is by-play designed. It may be to cover the sinister designs of the real leaders of the movement of revolt. On the 23rd of January, the Times had this to say. History will probably date the definite decline of the Sinn Féin movement from the day when its National Assembly was opened in Dublin. As to the Doyle's supporters, the Irish Times had them summed up. The crowd was composed of young men and women, many of whom wore that dark and dour expression which seems to go with Sinn Féin. But Sinn Féin felt neither dour nor dark. Sean O'Kelly remembers the day as one of joy and hope. It was a day of great hope, a day of great excitement, because uh, thousands of people uh, were trying to force their way into the round room of the mansion house and had to be controlled by volunteers outside the gates, not controlled by the police, but by volunteers like the stewards on the civil rights marches in the north are trying to control their followers rather than depending on the police of the north to do the work that they should be doing. Three major documents were read at the Doyle's first meeting. The Declaration of Independence, an appeal to the free nations of the world, and the democratic programme, which was a declaration of social policy. The Irish Labour Party had, for a number of reasons, not contested the general election, but there were close traditional and personal links between many members of the New Doyle and leaders of the Labour and Socialist movement. It was to one of these leaders, William O'Brien, that Shanti O'Kell had turned when it was decided that the Doyle agenda should include a statement of social intent. O'Brien, in turn, discussed the matter with Tom Johnson and Cahill O'Shannon. And the three of us got together and we agreed on what would be the, might call, the general line of the document. Uh, Johnson was given the task uh, of drawing up the draft uh, along with my assistance. Uh, my assistance uh, uh, was largely uh, taking some things from Pierce's last pamphlet, The Sovereign People, uh, which showed the influence of James Connolly on Pierce, especially on Pierce's last years. Uh, I added that and perhaps one or two other things, and uh, that document then 
was handed back to Shanti O'Kelly. Uh, the rest of the story, we knew nothing about it, but Johnson and I were in the Dal in the gallery at the opening of the Dal uh, when the three documents were adopted. They were all done in Irish. Mulcahy and Pierce Beasley did the democratic programme. To tell the truth, I can't tell, can't remember whether we called it the democratic programme or whether somebody else called it the democratic programme. But anyhow, Johnson and I noticed that there were some s changes in the thing as originally drafted and handed to Sean T. O'Kelly. We didn't know uh, how uh, there was a code until years afterwards. The programme, as finally promulgated, was more social than socialist. Some of the more radical expressions in the first draft were removed or rewritten by Sean T. at the insistence of some of his colleagues. Still, it was, for all that, a remarkably progressive document for its time. And if its provisions had been fully implemented, one could not refer today to what a contemporary scholar has called the social revolution that never was. Earn on the Blyde puts it rather sharply. No, nor I did, never found anybody who took the slightest interest in it. It was uh, the Labour Party secured the adoption of it. I don't think anybody, practically speaking, bothered with it afterwards. It was regarded as some sort of a hoisting of a flag, but it wasn't uh, considered significant in the struggle that was commencing. If the first Doyle was not unduly preoccupied with social affairs, economics was one of its major concerns. If the Doyle was to be more than the exercise in window dressing, which its enemies accused it of being, it had to get down to work, its task being nothing less than the replacement of British government in Ireland by a national administration. To do this job, money was badly needed, which gives point to the importance of Michael Collins' appointment as Minister for Finance. The money was raised both at home and in America. In June 1919, Sean Noonan, who was by then private secretary to the president, accompanied Mr. de Valera to the United States. Well, perhaps accompanied is not quite the word. Well, Mr. de Valera went as a stowaway. Uh, Michael Collins, to whom I went to get my transportation orders, advised me to go to Liverpool and see Neil Carr, who was the head centre of the IRB at that time. I accordingly went to Liverpool, having got five pounds at number six Hackett Street to bring me to New York. Uh, saw Neil Kerr, and the following day we went down to the docks, and lo and behold, the Aquitania was signing on a crew. Well, inside of an hour, I was a member of the Seamen's and Firemen's Union, the secretary of which, incidentally, was also an IRB man. Uh, I, had a, I, was, I had a new name, I was James Smith and I was registered as such at the Board of Trade. I then signed on as a fireman on the Aquitania, and a couple of days afterwards, we sailed from Southampton to New York, where I jumped ship and linked up again with Mr. De Valera. I traveled through America with him, and later on, when we were in Portland, Oregon, Mr. James O'Mara, who had been Director of Elections here in 1918, came out to direct the bond drive. Then Mr. De Valera and James O'Mara decided that I should go with Mr. O'Mara to run the bond drive with him.
Uh, I was made registrar of the bond drive and we raised roughly six million dollars. It was a fantastic achievement. I suppose it was the Irish, by and large, who did it In all. the main, it was. Mr. O'Mara and uh, other men there, Joe McGarrity in particular, were very active, and the old clan of Gale in New York too, and committees were set up in practically every state of the Union. Monies were collected there, deposited in a bank account in that state, and eventually transferred to one account in New York, and from there it was withdrawn and sent home. There were two loans. The first loan raised roughly, oh, I suppose, around five million, perhaps, yeah, about five million. Uh, then that was closed down, and a second loan was launched, and Mr. Stephen O'Mara, uh, brother of James, came out to run it. But then the uh, treaty came along, and that second loan folded up. Now, when you were doing all this work, Mr. Noonan, uh, you and your colleagues were working, of course, in the name of the Irish Republic. Did you feel that the authority under whom you were working was Doyle-Adron? Oh, definitely. No doubt about it. That, that was the parliament set up by the vote of the people, and we took that vote as law. That was our law. Doyle-Adron was our master. We worked for them through them for the country. During the three years, 1919, 1920, and 1921, the first Doyle held 12 sessions. In the first year, four of these were public, but all the others were private and at times, for obvious reasons, secret. The remarkable thing is that against the tumultuous background of those years, so much constructive work was done. The outstanding example being that of the Sinn Féin or Republican courts. Conor Maguire, later to become Chief Justice of Ireland, was deeply involved in the work of these courts, and indeed he claims that it was in his native Mayo that it all began. The first recollection I have of the idea of setting up courts being mentioned was when I was uh, uh, chairman of the Corley Cancer of Sinn Féin in, in Mayo. We had four solicitors, uh, is sympathetic with Sinn Féin, actively so, Paddy Rutledge being, of course, the principal one. And uh, we conceived the idea that it would be possible to uh, uh, accept the leader, leader of the doll, which uh, early in uh, 1919 indicated its wish that the arbitration that we should try the setting up of our arbitration courts, we decided to have a go at it. And we arranged that uh, we would set up courts and follow more or less the procedure of the British courts, the uh, petty sessions and the county court, and then the, later the assizes. And uh, at first it was uh, uh, an effort that we didn't hope to gain, to, to succeed. But uh, we found that uh, people, curiously enough, were, were, were rather anxious that we should take over the administration of justice. And uh, once we got the courts going, uh, we had no trouble in getting either uh, local men who were prepared to sit as uh, justices or in uh, persuading litigants to come to the courts. Sometimes, of course, there was much more. There was uh, more than mere persuasion used to uh, induce litigants to uh, transfer their cases. But directly, the courts began to function, and they, they saw 
that uh, justice was being administered, uh, we had no trouble at all. And in the end, uh, of course, it's a good deal later, uh, we, 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 we took all the business away from the county court. And we, uh, in uh, 1920, took away all the business from the assize court. One court, Conor Maguire recalls as crucial. It involved a case of land agitation. In the village of Kilmaine, there were two uh, men. One held 50 acres and the other 40. And they were looked on in that part of the country as ranchers. And uh, the usual type of agitation began against them, digging graves outside their houses, boycotting them. And this happened, as a matter of fact, to be right in the, in the historic boycott neighborhood, uh, only a few uh, miles away. Uh, boycott had been had been uh, had created given the, the word boycott to the language, and <coughs> we were following a, a well-known tradition. <laughs> but uh, they were, I should say, boycotting, and um, uh, we were hopeful to to get the trouble adjusted before the local. Uh, Sinn Féin court. Were you involved in the case yourself? I was uh, involved as act acting for the acting for the agitators and uh, they were anxious of course to come before the local court hoping that they'd get a, a, a better deal there but uh, Father Healy, the parish priest of Kilmaine, came to me and told me that uh, the, his friends, the two men who were being boycotted would never go to a local court but uh, they made he made the offer that if I could get the people in Dublin to send down somebody to act in the capacity of uh, arbitrator or judge that uh, he believed they would uh, obey his wishes and uh, go before such a tribunal. Arthur Griffith, however, was reluctant to act, fearing that even if the court were held without hindrance, it would be impossible to enforce the verdict if it went against the agitators. I told him that I thought Commandant uh, Tom McGuire <laughs> uh, would ensure that it would be carried out. And uh, I saw him and asked him, and he told me, yes, it happened. Well, so I, I wrote to Dublin and told them, asked them to send somebody down. They sent down Kevin O'Shield and Art O'Connor. Art O'Connor was later the, the uh, Minister for Agriculture. Uh, Kevin uh, was just a practicing lawyer at the time. And uh, we held uh, uh, the court in the town of Castleballonrobe, uh, and it was the first open Sinn Féin court held anywhere. Everybody was full of interest in it. And after about a um, fortnight, they gave their judgment against my clients in favour of the two ranchers. And the reason they gave was that there were 500 acres in the hands of the Justice Board uh, nearby, which would quite well afford, could accommodate every, every agitating tenant. How the verdict was enforced is another story, but enforced it was with the assistance of the volunteers. This is a program about the first Doyle, not about the Anglo-Irish War. It is, however, to be noted that the conduct of that war was brought under the control of the Doyle once the oath of allegiance to the Republic and the Doyle was introduced in August 1919 and administered not only to deputies and officers of the Doyle, but also to the volunteers. There may be argument about the effectiveness of the control, but the significance of the oath, 
was, as Limo Breen reminds us, of the highest importance. The volunteers through the country, when they started engaged in conflict with the Black and Tans, and these did not consider themselves to be rebels. It was no longer, uh, although the cry of up the rebels was to be heard, it was rather an ignorant cry. They were, they considered themselves to be the soldiers of a constituted authority. Soldiers acting with the authority of a government established in Dublin, a regularly established government representing the majority of the people and elected by the majority of the people. This was a very, very important thing for their morale and also for their conscience, if you like, when they had to do terrible deeds, they could always say superior orders, the government. On the question of international recognition for the Irish Republic, High hopes had, as we've heard, been placed on the Versailles Peace Conference. This, however, turned out to be, for Ireland, damp squib. The envoys of the First Doyle, Oil, however, did do very valuable work, both in Europe and America. And on another level, Carl O'Shannon and Tom Johnson made Ireland's case heard at the Social and Labour International meeting held in Bern early in 1919. It happened at Ramsey MacDonald who was the leader of the British delegation, a very influential uh, international man, uh, made a speech, but it was really the ordinary British liberal labour speech on Ireland uh, about home rule, about supporting home rule. Johnson, my colleague, said to me, send up your name and answer MacDonald. I sent up my name and I answered MacDonald, told about the rising, told about colony, told about the setting up of the Dal and all that, and about the support that we were given to it, and uh, the good uh, relations between uh, the insurrectionists and ourselves. And that had a very good effect, particularly afterwards when people spoke to me. What they were very much interested in was that when some other subject nationalities, like the Czechs and others, had set up governments in exile, the Irish had set up not only a government at home, but a parliament at home called Dalian. time for celebration. We keep the past for pride. But it is also a proper time for reassessment. To help us to look at the first Doyle 50 years afterwards, here are two historians, Kevin Nolan and John Murphy. Kevin, how do you see the first Doyle as an expression of popular will? Well, of course, this is one of the very difficult questions to answer, but a very important one. Uh, the easy cliche way of answering it is to say that the popular will elected the first Republican Doyle. But of course one has to say to ask the question in turn to what extent the people were consciously Republican in 1918, to what extent was the result an expression of anger, discontent, disillusionment at the whole pattern of home rule politics and British government policy before and after 1916. And I think the answer must surely lie something along these lines. Some people were positively, consciously Republican. 
Others were disillusioned but prepared to somehow see in Sinn Féin a new approach to the whole problem of the government and the future of Ireland. And perhaps in all revolutions, that is as much as one can expect, that you will have some who are conscious, who have a clear political programme, and that others are prepared either to accept it, allow it, and to follow them. But I don't think one can push the thing much beyond that point. John Murphy? Yes, I, I, I agree with Kevin. Um, there was, of course, the hard residual element of white uh, Fenian, white by tradition, who, who definitely, in voting for Sinn Féin, were voting for a republic. Um, but there was also a great mass of people who were rejecting the Parliamentary Party, rejecting Westminster, rejecting Dublin Castle, and who were voting, without a doubt, for independence, but to interpret their vote as a vote for um, an Irish Republic per se is, I think, putting an interpretation in the facts which a historian cannot really guarantee, which, which he can't stand over. Of course, the uh, revised programme of Sinn Féin is relevant here. The revised programme Sinn Féin has adopted in 1917 is undoubtedly relevant, but even that, of course, left a very important way out, Sean, because it said there that while the aim of Sinn Féin was to achieve an Irish Republic, yet the ultimate relationship between Ireland and other countries would be determined freely by the representatives of the people of Ireland, leaving a way open, of course, for a possible settlement with Great Britain. And this is an aspect of Sinn Féin policy one must never forget. The underlay of conservatism under, shall we say, the crust of revolution. Uh, would you see here, and perhaps in this use of the word Sersthot for, uh, for Republic, uh, the notion of Republic not so much as a form of government as what the ballad called complete separation? Well, Liam O'Brien has just told us that um, when he was electioneering in 1918, uh, he, he and his, his colleagues made it quite clear to the people that Sinn Féin was standing for an independent Ireland. But he's not quite so sure that uh, they were standing for any particular doctrinal form of government. And it's of interest that Mr de Valera specifically uh, disclaimed um, that the people had in fact voted for a republic, for a precise doctrinal form of government. They had voted for independence, self-determination. Yes, I think that's the important point, Sean, that uh, John has just made, that self-determination was the issue rather than precise forms of government. While, of course, the, the purer, clearer, more doctrinaire view of republicanism was there underlying... The oh, but of course, as, as I think John mentioned earlier, the old Athenian republican tradition, an enormously important factor in the making of modern mm. Ireland. Now, this, this radicalism, uh, would one would have expected it to carry with it a social radicalism. This is one of the peculiarities, Sean, I think, of the whole development of modern Irish nationalism, even from the end of the 19th century onwards. I think the Land Acts took the fire out of the belly, so to speak, of Irish radical nationalism. It became essentially a matter of the relatively small urban working class. Rural Ireland, as indeed many uh, Russian socialists discovered to its cost like rural Russia, rural Ireland became increasingly conservative once its aims were achieved, namely ownership of the land. And I think unless one remembers that, one cannot understand the curious paradox that the Irish Revolution became increasingly a bourgeois middle-class revolution, while in other countries of the world, including even the German Revolution, 1918 you had a very strong socialist undercurrent. And of course the uh, Republican courts uh, dealing with land troubles is very important in this. 
Well, so it is, and it, it, it's again significant that, that the great majority of verdicts in these cases were in favour of the status quo. Now, your um, Marxist historian would interpret this as the triumph of the middle-class nationalist over the suppressed socialism of the volunteers. But it's far more realistic, and we must always take the uh, touchstone of the surviving veteran and so on, a very important matter for historians here, um, that rather the, the whole reason for these conservative decisions was the Times, after all, the Freeman's Journal had denounced the proceedings of the first stall as avowedly Bolshevist, and it was a it was a prime matter for for the judges of Republican court to demonstrate that they were respectable, that they were they had a right concern for the proper social values and so on. And I think that the Republican courts, in pronouncing for landlords, were pronouncing for law and order. Kevin, I'd go a long way uh, with John Murphy on that point. But on the other side, one must bear in mind again the interesting comments we heard in the programme earlier. Ernest Blythe thought the democratic programme was a bit of window dressing, not much more. Cahill O'Shannon's comment that the end product, and he put it in his own very characteristically cautious and gentle way, that the end product wasn't quite the thing that was sent in. And of course, the fact remains that the democratic programme did largely remain window dressing. One cynic has once said that the republic which emerged was the tricolour republic and not the plough and the stars republic. That is a simplification, of course. But as I said earlier, the remarkable thing, I think, about the Irish Revolution was that it was so conservative, so moderate, so moderate that it has been described ultimately as a half-revolution. But perhaps the half-revolution reflects the deep tolerance on another level of the Irish people. Of course, it was by no means a tolerant revolution when it came to the action in the field. And, of course, you yourself have talked and written about the relationship between the Doyle and the fighting men. Yes, well, of course, this is one of the interesting things. Potentially, I suppose, the volunteers could have developed into a sort of makings of a military dictatorship sort of organisation. But the interesting, and I think for the story of democratic parliamentary government in Ireland. The interesting thing was that they eventually did come, however hesitantly, perhaps in some cases, they did come under Doyle Ayrn and became the Army of the Republic, stressing something which I think is important, this enormous concern about constitutionality. Could I come back, Sean, to um, the average volunteer? Uh, people like Strauss, uh, again, have this bookish division between the Sinn Féin moderates and the volunteer... Uh, proletariat, so to speak, but if, if we relate this to what we know and to what we can glean from our uncles and fathers and so on, this doesn't really make sense. What did the average volunteer fight for? Um, he fought for neither a doctrinaire constitutional form of government, neither for a republic, nor for a socialist revolution. Um, and thus we see uh, flamboyant inscriptions and monuments, so-and-so died for the republic is established in 1916. He certainly did not. He fought for Ireland. Uh, and in this vague, all-embracing concept, of course, he assumed that Ireland would be a better place, would be free, and would have, obviously, social justice and would give fair play to all its citizens. And yet, and yet, the notion of the Republic was there and continued to be there. And, of course, the notion of the Republic taking its place among the free nations of the world. Well, now, I think this is a very crucial question. Because while I think John Murphy is correct, and I go again along with him in stressing 
the fact that one must think in terms of separatism rather than doctrinaire republicanism. Yet the old Fenian tradition, the establishment in 1867 of the Irish Republic virtually established, with also quite a strong undercurrent on the question of land reform, be it added, at the time, that this tradition was the thing which gives a continuity in revolutionary thought in Ireland. It can't be forgotten. On the other hand, it would be silly to assume that the whole of Ireland felt that way. But the key figures in the making, I think, of our revolution felt that way. And of course, 1916 is dominant here. Uh, the sheer weight of, of, of the martyr dead must have been enormous. Mm. Uh, it, it was the main motif in the 1918 election. And uh, uh, though we might say, some of us, that for the first thought to proclaim in so uncompromising, in, in such uncompromising terms, the Republic won an indivisible. Yet it is difficult to see, in view of the sheer weight, so to speak, of, of, of separatist history and of the introduction of 1916, in what other form the demand for independence could be expressed. Of course, this other motif of the 1918 election campaign, the peace conference, uh, the hopes placed on that, of course, it was sad how this worked out. I, I do feel, however, that you know people like Shanti O'Kelly and the other envoys must have done an, an enormous amount of work. Yes, but if, uh, again, perhaps, this th this may be brought back to the question of the particular form in which the demand for independence was expressed. If the first oil had es expressed itself in less uncompromising terms and had backed it up, let us say, by a, um, a campaign of civil disobedience, of passive resistance, who knows, perhaps, that world opinion at large and British public opinion in particular might have put pressure on the British government to yield to this particular kind of claim. Of course, the funny thing about the whole tradition of the Doyle is that it is very deeply embedded in an Irish, an Irish tradition going back to O'Connell. This notion of, let us use the English electoral machinery, let us re-establish the old Irish Parliament. It has never been dissolved, it has really never disappeared. We are now really, really reconstituting it. And I think the fascinating thing about the events of 1919 was this wedding of a Republican radical revolutionary tradition with the notion that you could have a orderly constitutional parliament representing the people of Ireland. And that you could set up an administration. Now, this I is unique, I think. do always. feel that the way in which uh, a para-administration was set up in this country in the teeth and in full view of the British structure was quite fantastic. Quite fantastic, and possibly in the uh, subject correction in the history of Europe in the 20th century, I think possibly unique. John Murphy. In fact, it's the uniqueness of the Irish Revolution uh, which fascinates historians. Um, uh, for the whole Irish Revolution, not simply for the proceedings of the First Doyle, it is very difficult to see uh, European parallels. Um, the only obvious one, I suppose, is the one which Griffith put before his listeners, uh, had put before them for uh, a decade or more, the question of the Hungarian um, abstention. Uh, and even this, many historians would say, was a very controversial interpretation. But beyond this, um, it's very difficult to see that there was any other inspiration for Irish procedures, for Irish revolutionary strategy, yes. except the purely internal and traditional one. Oh, I think this is absolutely true, Sean, that the, as it were, the precedent was to be found originally in O'Connell's notion of the Council of 300, 300. which then Griffith took up uh, at the beginning of this century very cleverly and very brilliantly. And as I say, one can perhaps see in the events of early 1919 a curious coming together of kind of passive resistance with 
the tradition of military action, which is, again, a fascinating study in political development. A, a kind of amalgam of, of the old, insensate, inarticulate white boy activities right. and the new articulate Sinn Féin expression going back to Catholic emancipation. And, so and perhaps personalised in, among other people, Michael Collins, who mm. we think of as the great guerrilla leader, the genius in, in, in setting up an intelligence uh, system, but also the brilliant... Minister for Finance, who organised the money without which the thing could not have gone ahead. In a most fascinating way and under very difficult circumstances. And himself perhaps the product of, of, of a new Ireland, a more literate and articulate and better educated Ireland. Of course, the constructive achievements of the Doyle, and to you, the constructive work of the Doyle, I think was Erskine Childers' pamphlet at the time. This is something, I think, which perhaps when all is said and done, will be the most lasting memorial to you. Well, I suppose the lasting memorial is that a parliamentary form of government did come into existence within a revolutionary framework. And that despite all the vicissitudes of the civil war and the rest, that the concept of parliamentary government and democratic government survived in this country through periods of enormous test in the 20s and 30s. This was, I think, a great contribution of the amateur politicians who went in to Dáil Éireann in their green uniforms, or just leaving their green uniforms, as it were, at home that day. Uh, it was they who, I think, brought this thing in. And while we can be critical about many aspects, particularly the failure to develop an adequate social policy, we must also recognise the enormous positive contribution in terms of constitutional government. I agree, yes. Um, much of the 19th century English jibes at the Irishman was that Paddy was irresponsible, he couldn't govern himself. From 1918 onwards, despite the regrettable setback of the Civil War, the, one of the great comforts, so to speak, for our generation is that Paddy was able to govern himself. So while it is a time for critical reassessment, it is also a time for the praising of famous men and our fathers who begat us. We humbly commit our destiny to Almighty God, who gave our fathers the courage and determination to persevere through long centuries of a ruthless tyranny and strong in the justice of the cause which they have handed down to us. We ask his divine blessing on this, the last stage of the struggle we have pledged ourselves to carry through to freedom. Chromader er oberen leishin, le credif, gemedis inan an realtus nua bonaha, a word slown on a nider. Curled the quigger, the docus, the dorfi doiv fain is than the gluna in the ye, Maraktal Gashia Conta, Agus Kasanasach, for your aim on realtis shin. Agus Hareni Ella, we grawker the airing, a talav, a winter, a tanga, Agus Edukus Amlon. A mere masha is raw. As a new order for your realtors, Duchesach Nahern. Pig Canary Nahern Gamar, and Vrievila Geneva and Le Ud, Agus Higgard the Freshen, 
Gemeckert, Renivo, Gekuen, Agus Gasturme, Agus Gadien Walter. Wer ein Kernkorle kann bruhe, ein Doger Sinn, das er lehrt, nur diese er ein Revelator, kann ein Rohr Walter erjenen. Agus bin Barbechert, nie hohen den Lossen fein, ach, der Rachlau aus Sannemach, er rachet Rieltes, Agus Irachtes ne Herden, ein Mann, ein Gurem Rielachan. Lass an Nation ist Udo der Rieltes herbe, er wehan. Agus ist Lesseher Lehuel, ein Wintermach lässt an Nation. Begann Seher, son Tavaket, Agus Beschedien, ach, nie weg, Verkollt da leid, a windlash and quidus moya. Ni vanen mortis, na muster, na gorhus lua, lesh an uber is duel da realtus. Ni moor dalaman ne hibrishin ga kriena, agus ga dichluch, agus ga lanunuch, mata ra leve erantir, agus erem winter. Tasha le forget to gwing a new, fimari yin kahal brua quegev liena hin. Nach eit dalurig na de gar walte isha, ach laher dien ibre, agus seher er mahe le muinte ne heren. E fechent shia doing, ahenimish, nar war riev er halb ne heren, gloon ni buishle na iet shud, de vanig rieltes ne heren, agus a kur eg faimu e. Ing lo agus go vasker, a Martacon Agus Geniev, a Moss Agus Geneving, Dom Prieder Eid Feng of Ferul Agus Gahusel. Shina Adanig Rieltus or Dira Cogging or Ayrak Uha, Queen Emish, Gurkanida, Gadwer doing A. Hug Quidaka, a Maha, a Rahan, Quidella Avar Desen Kaha, Vida Lonta Kriachta, Agus. Kurg blinta and noiga and mu are a galer. Bimishna, the ferul, agus go husl, agus ahanimish, grebe is dritta doing, na hid the vora le broad, agus le virchus cree. Ahanimish, gordina, dena, evianta, agus nach feather dan dena, dena, dull har a cree yehul. Bavore a yehul. Agus Bakrogik e a mart, anur a rug, she had realtus natirisha, as live an actronig, cone a ardu, erangulni fein. Dinamishna aharisharha, erna fir uusl shin. Kramamish con ivre femara yinader. Beg a yehel, la dienaveg, gok dinad a gwing, mata an nashun sha, la tiacht slan as an quag of lien at all rowing. Is the Gdal Enene, it on another, the Remarita Udras, Agus Sturu on Realtis, Elaha Agoni. In Snakursi Casta et a rowing amach, a winnen of Yogno Amur le Raxeranach, Nimur Gok Tadiskin de Va, the Tishkinach, Agus Gafat Kenach, Contact Eren Retuch is Tarivi, Agus is Kahrame, a fecant and last passenger, Agus and last Kutchen. Nor a quig kedoil ern aganus, she forshi drompa, no nashun creachta, gur scrisag a hevris, gur clish er furbert cultura is celta, is gur fogug a nasnev, er, no institudi a mean bunaha a gok ser nashun, le fragat da riotinus is da rucus. 
Kademar Oberville Dienov, Dom Severus Kulturha, August Forbert Gallagher, Das Praga, Tridantir. On Mjakshe Readul, Echata, Gudvetvi, Nobjan and Galeer Elina, August Nahalangi Galeer Elias, Lastig de Quegevlian. Bimish Readul, August Animish, who will say her false rowing, then a revbartaha, Quegevlino hin, the Kur a Greek. Animish Freshen, Gugahi Gaktine Agwing, a Hyun Fame, then Teher, Nashunta, a Yenov. Directly, Shunta, Nilene na feden geniv egen ienov. Mas kruigan sehre ton fosroing, tosh e sach eske e, e hiskent anusker feder lagachtine of part e glache an. Es feder lagachtine e hiskent, gumrahen slivaha er or lot ibre, agus melun a himmerke, er arena herden a chianakan sa, agus arena herden a yel har la. Nilenya an nach federes kauru a vyog no avur lesan quid shindan abir. San korha na shun eshae, eshae dange na shunta is a kultur dukish. Es federe gach enya treshulesh an guelge agus an lesan kultur dukish. Es eski evekshe doiv, dremar evek desh idachish nias far. A gach ein, a gach akma, anus kamegan guelga an the gach enya idar bokt is sever, ishal is usal. Madurug elehed hanef agus mantaim a ahra, she anfor ederim shin naguil she fear force, fi maravi she fear anched uer edurage. She lam klar na fearinge, nach matigan na shun gan mas egem winter arhefein. August Gan Tulaka, the Herevish and Nashun. Isle Munin Asing Fein, Edinagak Divert Gudisha, August is Alig Veg Quiha. Noligamista Enya, Scaler no, Log Mishnach, a Kurshiraring a Hilla. Mavima Tra in our Nashon Plor, the Tira Ella, Beamish Force in our Nashon Plor, Sukama, and Winak Lawn Tarafa. As our vain realtors. Cadabu and fain realtors, Manavilimid can nashun slon, furfa, a yenov, the airing, lest the court he sucker, August Marsha eke, is dual the nashun. As quiggishin a bonnie realtors do sakanasa, quagablianahin, Gallimishin you, knock stenamid on seha goodigaminamid on aim shinamach gahamlon. Shinian, queen upon a small, a hantog na fir a queer. On realtis san erbun. Er okaid korha na shunta is qui go gafi queen akan buon aviach runach. Tase sakraha egan realtis, gunyen for plak quivna a cursus ediganor beer, con quivna on lay a bonyeg realtis dove a wuskilt of fobble leanver a hahien anti sha. Augustinish a tort eig eran 
Wegeblien et Haroeng. Guim, Gur Evergreen, Credivins and Nashunsha, Mar Nashun on Fain, Gur Duel de Chanta Nashun, August Dilchuk, August Serevis and Winterle. Guim, Grevse de Rokus Agwin, Gur Dur for doing on Nashuncha, a Hurt Sloan, Tregak Fibe, August Gak Jachut, a Yachig in Uus Erring. Dokus Freshen, Gur Jachig Lemwinter, Jai Halla, Engachar de Erring, on Tantus Agena et al, Ahara, Gafir, and Ahent. August Gach Asantus et al, on Yara Amach, on Nikela, a Haru. August Guim, Hagakni, Grev Gra Gwing Dar Deer, Dar Winter, is Dar Nuthus, is Gunyati on Tear Gra Shin, or Nul, Kana Nobber et al, a Dienel, August Les Dulgus et al, a Colina, Unusca Dilemis, Weakus Nagluna, Yakigin or Nig, Fema the Hill or Shincher, and Buyakas, a Tomid, a Harishkin Tog in you. Dela Reuters and Tishik, Agasanish, Rafa Nabasan, and Tarta Liam Makaske, and Tarta. Liam Macaste. Senator Senator Tenu la fehe, John R. Nege de Nedieg. Agus freshener in Uber, a tall a yenav, Agus nak falar hurt, fuyamakon sho. Is no doran rode, Agus is dia kore koma, Gur gnak ling trakt, Gaharaha sanainish, full a theakta, and rudi nak will dente erinkur, nor rudi nak nyarna akuduna. O Kaiji Runoki Shop, Lahara a Yiru, Eron Voros, Rina Janoin, Erudshan, Jakrakti, Augustima. La Bugnok Lakhead Blian, Tafima Buntagwing, Asan Munko Spoor, a Viegan Gay Dal Ud. Sheshin and Tirche Politicule, a Vehagwing. Con or no he fain, a rear de rare or dulla fain. A cursa nash black fain, se sail laganamak to notion, show of will ka other. The gate of blean conahantas oil, da cart con nash blackish. Rinna gok party, a will colty, day on showing you kyun than say her shin. Is fear or noy, Naknyarna Jevon, Major Laher Nilla. Dundokus a V a glucked, and Tinol Sanoit show lackhead blean o hin. Me more doing docus a vehagwing gore chauffeur, Diagar Niagamakon show, no yaktrixi a kushka on pilahar, and Varahul shin a hout con kriha, and Guskamayan tear 
in an ashun um lana wana rish, a big bunahe, er kohishkent, agaser kor kuchent. Nien fi ein smakt, no egen, gno chigishin, is as kovinin, as kolasene, a heru a chukishe. Fin jatraktil a rechakagoni, nor a bonitor start nua. Augusbiorine galore, den lakhead, vlian shakacha, a kahav, a mun and yaktrik, the a wind doing fain. Shane Ganeev at all a yenav, a guinganish, usai dumlon a yenav, den deshata togaha, a gantirsha doing. Augustan sail shashiltesh in a vunu darmwincher, a hurfi cart, a velesh and thread, ada canadog. Er son is here. Kegor Mure on Varas Gursi Sushilte, Agus Akna Miokto, O Boniogan Stad, Isomishin Jakrakt, Ata La Rechak Fos. On Father Tag Quidar Muncher, Gan Shli Varak Tala Koir, Nugan Jesh Chakter and Slishin, Nil Manaman and Muncher. Hin oil and show on ten o la fihe, Janair, Nege, the Nejeg, Winchamakagin. Is cartu in Galair, Rune Dangin, a Yenav, Fullesi at Laka, Hogan, the Lassana, a Yenav, is Gawk on a Krihishin. Share credum gore chauffeur, no Jakrakishin, Marvin, Pullesi Creek Nula. Rune Danganagus Kinnerucht Kausiagwin Kahamid Dolomon Nivarish Godihalok Onus Govedi Andrama Hyoki in our Niag Fakin Sheer La Broder and Sehera Begdenta Liam McCusperinchen Kinnera Erinagel Agus Mach Le Dinner Go Hachti and Kea Dola and rare summer dinner, if a lar no yalakshe, cream and winter, a vian sun, and care the wear oud. Ta quidaku and so gafoil, either in a sea or not. Milanege the Sanediog. Tug a glare oud, core, comer erin, bolsonak shin. Ivorogre milet neged sashediag, August Tugger Mino Nisamlani irhe, Ignardian Augustana Barsula, Aleria Codlinchin. The Taktishin of Vienna Sionsha, no via Brisun and Trashin. Bequidi the Glushak Yuntak, a Mincher Nahern, Concertia Hoshlak of Wintermach, Comalish and Tusha Folichun. Shema Yakaser and Lanyu, Goloe, Gurimid Shin Fain, Payal Oskor Fubble Nahern, Arnokasakar Asanua. So public antagonist, socialist, a via the cuspor, a gnosar fearshin, a gnohig doing, on tertia a targing. 
Gauman Gyal Shin Aram Hakkaun Mofarti. Marashe Kredam, Gadogan Komora Mar Asia. Lergus Bresha Ar Bresha and Nuakana Ata Imhalafada. Agaserebe mean Pobble Natira Shah, a Savel Ave Idresha Rish. Masam Gwilan Town Tagahad and Nashun Shah. Phila Ervon Fronsebil, Hemishu Konile, Father Grig Firish, Agus Hamasi Clary. Agus Gwilan Glunsha Agfekin, then Kedor, La Holis Kartha Isle, Eren Mri, a Viegna Firshin, Leshen Bubla Contagus. Lakid Blinohin, the Eid Manmana Agus Ming Navincher Natirisha. Nashunaveko Gantirni Chalun. Agusi Ser or Hirnus looked Rakmish on Gogreek. Nashun in an enfi, Kokorum dot clan galir, Agus Nahle Lever Scamal Nespera, a vague Koyeshinador. Be an Ashling Nashun of Ehaka, a Herevishig owned on Fubble, Agus Narvashtri owned her in Bubble. Agus make Tussiak down, a cart Agus Lass on Fubble, our cart on dinner ainer, Conwina. Masum Gowilan Tra Tagaha, Nurakahamid Fame Ahurt. The bar hula avi evorogra mila neged is a shadyag. Alsatlar denlahak a foriak a kedchanol dalern a tamid a kamora anu. Zian ked dulgesaring femara durak satlar denlahak. Glesa halahar kan las korpraha las spredalta agas las intellecta nalani a koranairhedo. Fikin kige nak megan takrisnan fuk tagalunt er ein lanav kalbi. Edig not dean tea. A cavang sheed got core agus glaze his godoy. Contagust agus tahi carta hurtov, a gorn a hibra a vegla denavaca, mar colti, the serstat gaelic. Shinge na hairi, shine ar nulgus. Valer the gina ar nosar nukteran im a devilera, avuskilt naheran. Agus hug sheed, lerud on a forhula, a winleshen avuskil shin. And you, ta avuskilt ele a den of an urn, agus se ar nulgus galer, e a and, agus fame a turti, a hurti. She ar nulgus in a can shin, e your horu or an moher, conagus spori nashunta, agus socialiker a ta fichafuhe, three hunsknov ar searsha. Laram she labro do lehan lock ibricus, marase, shamus o canela, a husigan glushik ibricus. I was in a chant of shin, a vonic arm the seronic, contrid or son the searship. I was leering the milcher the luck card common, a honig fe an oil a canile, Augusty Larkhan, and Lou Hock eight, let Glushak the searship, nor a luck sheet park, part the stalk of the generalta, I was hug sheet a mure or son the coisha. The broader impression, Garavar the kid forty ibricus, Thomas MacYoin, or Gade Hennessy. And they scream, Bondrake and Clara Delhig, or Kira Alahishtak, Sitlar Dera. Is over Motus Long or Grid, Padrick MacPirish, Agashemus or Canele, Elehikele, O Sprid Agaso Manman, Snalente Glover Dera Ood, Nor a Dashirig, a Nashun, Fen Nua Crop. Agashema Gokus, Gajogig, Saval, Shin Dente Canu, either Agna, Public Andres. Agus Agna and Ibricus, down Rehek a oil, and a more five and a tar of Fubble Nahern free lawyer. Tagalchigam Hart Kown Mafarti, Gemeg Dime a 
Sanamla Chakt, an Obrata reeked in a Korar filed in the Dina. Natiha Tali Yi or a hog oil, and Teravish Light is dulled of a Halaher, Agasokul, a Koranarha, than Shan Agastan Eslan, Igamin in the Will Jantaka, er our son. Agasafakant, a mock doing Harna Farage, a Tanar Jimple. Tomafarti, Koraha, Fegalagam, Godlifami, the Connor Nashiakana, Agasne, Nyod Rakish, Agasne Susia, than Illigine. Kiba AI, the Meg She, the Mridenus. Lashan Inton Shinaging, Nimo doing Queen O, a Rahit, a son Kanili, a Yarfig, Garabidna, Hymanma, Kena, a Taig Bubble, Huig Agus Has, Gan Kruchen and Tail of the Hikorarha, Dedadish, Tanav of Wind as an Olacht, Agus Asna Buina, a Taig Wintlesh and Tanga Gelge, Agus Lena Litriac, Maradur Tan Kanilak, is five Hoshel de E. Five in the hern. But now, the lish, tear in the hern gone winter in the hern, a car gone arrow. Shinny gone arrow, an old sonic, a togging. Anishta, Deradote, a Gantishuk, Agatha Kennedy, Barfree Fatty, and Daffodinus Ura. Kahirlig Titanshay the Koram Aramsum or Las Kahirlig Lartharkan at Yanad Again Chin Old Queen of Khan Shah Tharaktus Town and Nish and Tukhtaran Agus Gahyak is Ira A. Eraractus ni dega ni deg, if ye wad ni simply in a coyenov. Ni rev shanad er be, on ni deg ni deg. Javri bajer, nak rev winteg and bubble, let tawa yak na dear nis of ratham. A togu dan dal, togang a nish, on vor quid dan cooked, agustan udaras, if ye gan gay dal erden. Ta ar nuil, agustar nocus lesh offak. Gurhainig Don Direct Kunatianid Marwak Sosher Kion Egan and Var Haulakus Agustin Digrish Bahan Trey Sakai Dal Shin. Danyon Gakur Hanigern Sail Hamaknaheimshire Tarian on Lanunakish Lahan Everon Ganeha than a Hinstitudi Politeakta Inakilatir. His father Leshen Stari. A fake and sheer though, er or harla, on Lanunicus Banusica ahant, har on Lanunicus Narectanuk. Shinga, Ta Tagahelakalia and Sohanyov, Marcolti Draktus Erden, Bajer Gurjakar Duinga, either Yalu, Dalahajina ahant, Javri, now willen San Olus agreeing, Augusta will draw Nakay Dala, Rohongrug doing. Osrade, Grevelan the Coltina Kedala in the Viroga, Neil Brishu Umlan Fos, Erin Green, Lishnadina, Bacoalti D. Ach, Farir, is Kailan Queen E. Anish. Kidwad the Nosamakta Naraktish, Tashi Lechak, Laganasana Kedala. Biok, 
gur clainu na dora e on no semate ig kogal rave loidak a yacht kun farash us kun farbaha fui anail na sirsha is kun o e the luck san olish or kursi politiek tugus koganekish a vas on will aimana banusaka na politiek de nearing nigid shaskani a raitsuk is na haimana vion lachet bleno hin is kasul afok gwila haru eren ord tasiakta agus eren a pointi tresha itaka labartish fraticula ya gok glun da dagan bin dulgus staruil da good fain la colino aku ni irian loigoni ayen of gama ni currency galeri greek on rather vartic sheet ayen of ostina dena eed on drama vena go wild and folatiot coma lesion bubble a currency shell of na cork the eed jetakshe gmyok darudara fin a nulgus staruil no detakshe nak dawadishan balakis far konea kolino no nak munadish an aim as far as fader as namona a haushid khiga on gluin is dul an orderling in yov haushid amona fein because hugshi the greek on vorkid da kirshid rompa yenov on khida ging a haniger in sail in igna glunishin tenche and the anoring made a nectar a howlu agus a hishkin kasalair is menig malana korora tushk nar vinchi de mak gakarevuha no tushk nar kurshid brechis ein rave loy de wani greek leling sail ray ein gluina wine nadina atagiri fiausa hort Irvina could teal in airing in Argo, I'm sure. Nibyog the Kush Vita Avehaka, Ma Irene Loa Krahu, Ganyar Nashid, Kohram Nahek the Shin. A frastal, then a Kurami Nua Tarompamak, Ig I'm sure Moan and Nua, Confiban and Nua Aretak, Ig Kur on Nua Era, a Hanig direct Kuha, Ig game, Agasi Raim Nisar the Fos. Gok glun da dagan, ishayas ganahi, gurren glun avi aun rompa, is mo avi an kano aka. Dreer jarev, tashin fear, idei avna glun isha, is bejer, grave an kas kena e, egan glun ata ar dort kan kina gring. Margena, a rugu, vi spear na shirsha, be mesasta, ma krahian. On gluin erdi of May, coma exacrohig on gluin of Ormid on Shahinov. Egan gade crino and gade dal, Durton count coile, grev tron a kinta heart. Van rode marshin, naglana mishro other than kint, erano kaid shah. Erantenu la fihid the anner, nideg and nideg, Duru, agus rino. Maran rev talked lesh, lestig the ga uir clig. Leremish anish, made our massa, erin seher a kuru i Greek. Agus gawamisha rash, 
in man Arnulgis Fein, the Brest Jurista of the Stokish. Last Kahil of Canada, Lord Fishin. Kulmer Dalinskel, Shanadora Ella, Tamluhin, Fresh, Ahishkan Tishig, Norelaur, and Shanador, she's Skeffington, a dear Keshtakur, Er, and Tishuk, Merle. And all the Rathlog, give the Marsh and Cattle, the V. Terra. Tandoil Rahlo. Toshanadiran Rahlo Sinidie. Tadere Marshin Le Kohishunsha Hehe an Ereptish. Ta and Toktran Gol in Yist Sailor. And <laughs> I guess Bula Bass or Leh Goyfshin. I guess he the dull three winter and electric of the street Jim Bogger. Shana Nunain, that father in Kuyuf, she is Lesh, and that Dernukhan Kudeleko, Gemat Trijan Hala. Kakach, <laughs> Agus Kuma Fir Ormacher Van Old Van Balir. It's a niche. Ta the Jack Tiggs, the Shanadori, the Maktamakas, the Gitsia Khan, Ta and Kinu Scotter. Xmarshin Kurmid Dere El Hover and Leisha. Session, hehe erectisheren, a chinolagan so, Sashom the Crean, he dig an art, weird him lad, clear, Marcomora, Erkid Crinu, and Kid Dolla, Eren Enola Fihid Gavianoir, Nidiog, Sinidiog, Exenish, Shoshan Macremano, Higanard Weir, or Sholarash, a studio. <laughs> 